0: Welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And leave us a review so others can find the show, too. My guest today is Dr. Ian Burke. Ian is a professor in weed science at Washington State University. His research program is focused on basic aspects of weed biology and ecology, with the goal of integrating such information into practical and economical methods of managing weeds in the environment. Ian also teaches the undergraduate course in weed science at WSU. Hello, Ian. Hello, Drew. So let's talk about weed seeds today. Uh, maybe we can start the conversation off with your definition of what a weed seed bank is. We hear that term quite a bit. What, what, do you, what do we mean or what does a weed scientist mean when they say a weed seed bank? So
1: the weed seed bank would be the sum total of all the weed seed deposited over the years uh, in the soil. And it, um, it sort of reflects the you know, past successes and failures. A farmer has in managing weeds. There are some years where there's no weed seed deposited into the soil seed bank, and there are years where there are a lot of weed seed deposited. And so the seed bank is really just that that accumulation of seed in the in the soil. Okay, I, I know
0: as a graduate student, I tried to avoid um, studies working with a weed seed bank because it was it was a lot of work. So um, tell us a little bit about how one studies a weed seed bank.
1: It's Historically, been a very uh, laborious pro- process. So you'd we'd collect hundreds of soil samples and um, attempt to grow out the weeds. So by making them germinate. So you you put them in a greenhouse and uh, you either um, keep the core you've collected intact or or mix it up a little bit and then you wait for weed seeds to germinate and you assign a, a whole phalanx of humans to go out and then, and count the weeds that germinate over often a six to eight month period. And so uh, by the time you get done doing all of that, then total investment in time is enormous just to quantify the what we would call the germinable seed bank, the stuff that's going to germinate in a greenhouse. But that really doesn't give us all the information we need. And so here in the last few years, we've been working on uh, increasing our ability to extract the weed seed bank. We have an instrument now, it's an elutriator. Um, we've, we've always had one, but it'll only do one at a time. And this new device now does... Forty-eight, And so it's been an exponential increase in our ability to just extract the weeds, the weed seed from the seed bank. And then, and now we're in the process, now the slow part is just counting them under a microscope, which is uh, no less laborious, but quite a bit more um, precise when we actually get the numbers of weed seed present.
0: So uh, explain what a, a loot is for our audience.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's as simple as, uh, some mesh screens that you put the soil in and then run water through the mesh screen. So the soil comes out, but the weed seeds don't. And so you're left with what usually is a a mixture of sometimes clay particles, depending on where we're sampling um, residue from the soil surface that might've been present. when We were taking those samples and the weed seed. So then, and then the the real process is just sorting through all the, the, that remaining material and, and figuring out what you've got.
0: Okay, so you know, in in a lot of my uh, simple uh, applied field research, I would go out and count how many weeds emerge in different treatments in the field. How is is the weed seed bank? Can you relate what you get in the field to what's in the seed bank? Uh, And if so, how how well does that work?
1: So the weed seed bank data we're getting is not necessarily relatable to the density of weeds that appear every season above the ground something like only 4% of the weed seed bank germinates on any given season. It's because weeds and weed seeds have light-mediated responses to their environment. And so weed seeds have a mechanism to sense when there are plants growing above ground. That's why crop canopy is so important, because if you get a good crop canopy quick, weed seeds sort of stop germinating. Um, But what the weed seed bank does tell us is over a long period of time, if you're able to sample over years, uh, how resilient your system is potentially. So if you see a declining weed seed bank over time and an increase in diversity of different species in the weed seed bank, that's a real good indicator that you've got a very effective rotation and that the weed seed are, particularly if they're, they're not very long lived in the soil, if they're declining over time, then that, that you're also making headway in, in making your farming system more resilient.
0: Okay, let, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I, I've... Uh... Heard that, that, you know, the more diverse your weed seed bank or your weed, yeah, your weed seed bank is, the, the better off you are. Can you explain why that is?
1: Uh, like all things in farming, it's complicated. So, um, you know, whenever you, you have a very diverse rotation, um, that would include you know, all the inputs we know that are really impactful to weeds, to weed management. So chemical controls, um, good um, good diversity in timing of planting, um, potentially including a forage crop that would include a mowing, you know, anything that really uh, over the course of multiple seasons uh, selects for weeds in a lot of different ways, there are very few weed species that can um, really thrive in an environment where they're being um, constantly hounded to death. And so uh, the ones that do um, often do so at much lower density and with much lower seed production, and so uh, what you wind up with is you might have a, a winter wheat crop where you have a tine raggrass succeed in that season and make a lot of seed. But the next year you um, maybe throw a, a later planted um, spring crop uh, or fallow, uh, some sort of forage crop where you're actually mowing the tine raggrass, and uh, it's much harder for that Italian raggrass to set a lot of seed in that, that situation. Um, and so, as you rearrange your uh, rotations, you can select for uh, multiple different species that might succeed to some extent. But no one weed species can exceed, can really, really succeed and become dominant in the rotation.
0: Okay, and 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 probably change up more than just rotation. Change up chemistry. Change up tillage. Change up. Don't don't. Basically, that prevents any one species or two species from dominating in the system, right? Becoming a problem.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah.
0: So um you also mentioned uh longevity seed longevity and uh you know some weed seeds don't stay very long in the soil viable others can stay quite a long time so what, what's what's the spread and what how does that tend to you know are there certain weeds that tend to have longer live seeds and, than others
1: Well uh, these days I like to say that like everything else in the PNW it seems weed seed lasts longer here than other places and so our environment is not very conducive to the breakdown of seeds as rapidly as, as what's been reported in other areas. So we're really focused on trying to figure out what's going on here. Um, we know, for example, when we look at Italian raggrass, that's really sort of an out-of-control out of population. We'll see 40,000, 50,000 seed per square yard, um, which is an enormous population when you calculate that over an acre. Um, it's you know, tens of millions of seed. Uh, but the um, if we if we are effective at man, you know, managing that population, so it's not setting a lot of seed or no seed over a very short period of time, ryegrass disappears from the seed bank. The seed are not very long lived, and we think of that in terms of maybe three to five years. Um, although we're still trying to figure out exactly the, the amount of time. Downy brome, we suspect that there's some small amount of downy brome seed that uh, are very persistent but a very large proportion of the seed bank of downy brome likely also declines at the same rate as Italian ryegrass. So a very quick drop-off, but there's some amount that's sort of difficult. Recalcitrant, we would say. Uh, that compares rather interestingly to something like common lamb's quarter, uh, which appears to have a very long-lived seed, often measured in decades. And so you can have uh, outstanding success at managing something like common lambs quarters over a career, a farming career, 30, 40 years. And one failure can completely reset that seed bank and last another 30 to 50 years, maybe longer. And so um, management of seed bank is really about um, understanding those biological characteristics in such a way that um, allows you to think critically about how to prioritize your farming system. If weed management is very critical in it, for targeting the weeds that don't last long in the seed bank, and understanding there are certain weeds that that you'll never really get rid of.
0: Okay, so what are some of the uh, management strategies for for managing a weed seed bank? I think you just started down that road. Let's let's go down a little farther if we can.
1: So, anything you can do to uh, to manipulate the seed bank to the benefit, just sort of knowledgeably to to the farmer's benefit is um, they're often quite obvious. So. Um, we typically start with what we would call a stale seed bed. So you might do a little bit of shallow tillage to stimulate um, seed that are responsive to light for germination. And then over the next three to five weeks, potentially use um, herbicides to um, kill anything that emerges and then plant. So that would be a a stale seed bed technique. And we see that repeated commonly in in multiple different systems. it assumes you have moisture, um, and some I know don't. Uh, but that's definitely a technique uh, where you can manipulate planting time, a little bit of a mechanical input, and <clears throat> use pesticides to arrive at a situation where there's a lot lower germinal seed bank at the sur- soil surface. Um, you can also manipulate um, seed position in the seed bank by perhaps uh, inversion tillage, um, where you would. Uh, periodically, maybe five, seven, ten years, as you accumulated a, a weed seed bank on the soil surface through no-till operations, um, then sort of consciously in that um, single inversion event, put them um, as deep underground as you can get them and keep them there. So just to be a single inversion event, and then you wouldn't go back to it for for um, often a decade or more uh, by putting the seed very deep into the seed bank into the soil um, profile. They're often placed into a situation where they either go through a terminal germination, they can germinate, but they won't emerge, they're too deep, or um, there's not a stimuli to, to, to get them to germinate and the seed actually eventually rot. And so those are both pretty positive outcomes. So those both of those um, scenarios involve tillage, but they're good examples. The other, of course, big um, um, technology we're seeing adopted here in the Pacific Northwest is harvest weed seed control, where you actually manage the weeds seed before they... Set off before they set or leave the, the head, and we're interested in seeing what kind of impact that has on our seed banks as well.
0: Okay, and and um, I, I like your focus on those weeds that that turn over fairly quickly because the ones that don't are pretty difficult to to manage. But um,
1: and, and yeah, those, so and, and what, those are actually a no-till solution. So the ones that are difficult to manage and are recalcitrant and and don't germinate um, and last a long time in the soil, that's actually no-till actually makes a lot of sense for those kind of weeds where you you exhaust the seed bank at the surface and don't allow any more weed seed to set. That's an ideal outcome.
0: Okay. Very good. So uh, a, a knowledge of what weeds you have in your seed bank might not... Are, are we coming to a day where when um, that might be a service that's provided where people, you know, they go out and sample for nitrogen and pH and things could also do a sample to kind of find out what their weed seed bank is, I I would see this maybe more useful for somebody who's taking over some land that they haven't farmed before or something. Any thoughts on that?
1: You know, I I could see it becoming a service eventually. Uh, Even though we've increased our throughput significantly, it's still pretty arduous. Um, Certainly, it's something we can do as a built-in component of our research program in very large numbers. But I do think that that could be a service provided um, in the future, particularly if we can bring more technology to bear.
0: All right. So anything else you'd like to share with us today while we have you here, Ian?
1: No, this has been a great conversation, Drew. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Ian, as always. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Weepy Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear in future episodes, please email me at drew.lion. That's L Y O N at WSU.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheatbeat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications and the College of of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.